0: Back, ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls to season two, episode twenty-nine of Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Jeremy Vilmer. It is twenty nineteen. Why don't you tell him what's going on, Bobby?
1: Hey, first of all, happy new year. Second of all, actually, first, it's great to hear your voice, Jeremy. And second of all, Happy New Year to all the great fans out there the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. We appreciate you joining us. We're glad to have you back, and we hope you brought in uh, 2019 the right way uh today's show is going to be a special show and it's going to be the top 10 of the best announcers of professional wrestling but we have some other stuff going on too uh first of all jeremy i'm just going to mention uh do you have any special news before i go into what i was going to bring up well
0: well, bobby why why don't why don't you ask me how my new year's was well, okay. Let me start
1: again, then. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if you was going to uh, bring anything up or not. Hey, Jeremy, how was your New Year's? Well, Bobby,
0: I had a fucking heart attack. How was yours? Uh, I spent I stayed I, in <laughs> <laughs> home. I stayed home. I um you- I I spent it in the uh, I spent it in the hospital. Um. I, I want to encourage anybody listening right now, if you have been ignoring, being told you have high blood pressure, or that your parents had a heart problem at about your age, you need to take it a little more seriously, either. otherwise one day you're going to wake up, think you have to poop really bad, and then about an hour later realize you're having a heart attack and need to go to the hospital. It was a rough couple of days, I had two stents put in my heart, but I'm feeling a little bit better now. <laughs>
1: Well, take your medication, get better, and hopefully you'll be up and about and um, feeling 150 percent better, real, real soon. So we wish you to start this new year off. We don't want to lose you right away, man. We want to do a whole season of 2019. We got this whole second season <laughs> to get through. So stick with us a little bit longer, and I'll try to do the same. Because you know my saying, because I put a picture up, and I'm just trying to outlive a few more people, including myself, man. So exactly. uh, you know, and I, I know you're younger than me. But uh glad to have you with us, man. Uh First of all, um, anything else about that other than take care of yourself? That's pretty <laughs> much it. You
0: know what it, it, What it is, is that I, I get done, I get out of the hospital, and one of my aunts tells me, oh, yeah, well, you remember your dad had a heart attack at about your age. And I'm like, no, I don't remember that. And that might have been helpful <laughs> to tell the doctors that when I was in the hospital. Yes. Because the whole time I'm there, they're like, well, what illegal drugs do you use? And I'm like, none. I don't. <laughs> I don't. And they're like, mm, heart attack at 45. Okay, no drugs, whatever you say there, buddy.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Ozzy Osbourne question. When he went to the doctor, it's better off to ask me what I haven't done than what I have done. <laughs> but since you are drug-free and clean, it was something hereditary. So yep, it was, got yeah, it was. Glad they got it corrected, though. So, um, so glad to have you here with us in 2019 on a bell to bell with Bobby plays podcast. Um, so if number one, first of all, I just want to say, um, uh, if you haven't, you, you probably will be, uh, watching the replay back of the, cause it's already taken place The new Japan pro wrestling wrestling kingdom, uh, 13 took place. Mm -hmm. I guess they had a big crowd, um, uh, record setting attendance as always. And I watch some clips here and there. I usually wait a couple of days. I can't remember exactly what day they play it back, but I, I usually watch it a couple of days later anyway. I think it's, uh, usually around January 8th somewhere. That's Elvis's birthday, by the way. And we're not working on January 8th. No one works on King's birthday. So uh, everyone's got that day off if you want it off. Oh. Uh, <laughs> which is going to lead me to bring us to some other news. Um, the, uh, all elite wrestling. Uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are part of that. They're having a big announcement on January 8th. Tony Kahn, uh, that's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Tony Kahn has put $100 million of his own money into, supposedly. I guess Cody is the VP. The Young Bucks are executives. And um, Brandy is the uh, marketing director of the brand, I guess, is what I've read. There's a really good article in Forbes magazine that looks pretty legit. I think you've read it. And uh, the, the event that they're going to do next is going to be called uh, Double or Nothing um kind of play off the all in So uh mm-hmm. let's see what happens with this um all elite wrestling. It looks like they're gonna be serious and they we'll have to see if they're gonna be a contender um you know and and, and up the stakes with everything that's going on with the uh NWA and, and all the other stuff. And I'm going to say something about that as soon as you finish up. Anything you got to add about, um, well,
0: I'm a uh, new Japan or with the all elite. I am, I, I have said, I mean, we've been doing this show for six months. The entire time, I think I've been talking about how my excitement over the NWA title being taken as a serious world champion coming back or championship and being coming back to these indie promotions. Um, it appears to me that people are, Honestly ready to throw some real money into opening a new wrestling promotion to contend with the big dog. Um, I am excited. And Bobby, the other reason I'm excited, a book you and I have both been reading called Death of the Territories during this holiday season. We are seeing, you and I are reading the book that shows how the whole system collapsed. And we could be watching the new phase of a whole new system of small independent promotions springing back to life happen right in front of us.
1: Yes, and let me say this, okay? Mm -hmm. And you don't know this, so get ready. Okay. Here you go. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I just uh, made a contact a few minutes ago prior to going on the air because I saw an ad. I knew this was going to take place on February 23rd. The NWA, um, the company that I know around this area called FTC, Failure to Conform, okay? They're having a big show on February 23rd. They're bringing Nick Otis in. If he's still the NWA champion, he's going to be wrestling Shane Strickland in Ironton, Ohio on February 23rd. And FTC who I got invited to their Christmas party, and I know they put a thing up that the NWA title has never been seen defended in this area before, so I shot them a note. And I'm going to tell you what. I have personally wrestled for the NWA title three times in my life, twice against Dan Severn, once in Charlotte, once in Knoxville, and yes, the NWA title has been defended in this area. I'm speaking of the Huntington, Ashland, Ironton, Tri-State area. This a shout-out to FTC. Hey, guys, I defended – I didn't defend – Chris Candido defended the NWA title against me at the National Guard Armory back in the day, right when he was finishing up for Smoky Mountain and um, working for ECW and also going to all Japan and um, having the NWA title before he went to the WWF at the time. So – if you can use that on your fucking show, when you bring in NWA champion, if he still is a champion at that time, Nick Aldis to defend it against Shane Strickland, I'm going to be at that fucking show, because I want to see this, I'm getting excited, because Jeremy, you're the one to originally turned me on the Nick, and I'm hoping to go, over if nothing else, shake hands with all these great men, and these great performers, and these great wrestlers, and this be a small part of that show, because... My day has gone and has come and gone, but I wanted to bring to them and I wrote them a quick note and they shot me back. We said so we can definitely use that as history because it is. I said that title has been defended in this area before, so uh, it's very exciting. And so I'm gonna give the uh, give them a quick plug to the FTC for bringing in uh, the NWA on February 23rd at the Rona Theater in Ironton, Ohio. And none of that is rehearsed. None of that is even talked about. I just wanted to come off and let you know because I'm getting pretty damn excited about it, man.
0: Yeah. Uh there is still something cool about that belt floating out there. Nick Aldis is a hell of a good wrestler. Um Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Uh you know, yeah. too, too bad they got their facts wrong and you know, you know Bobby if... Oh, I'll straighten them out. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And, and if it ever should come up while you're talking to him and the opportunity for me to interview Nick Aldis for Geekish Cast comes up, just give me a call. Yes, I will
1: do so. Um, I knew the show was coming. I've talked to a couple people. I know several people coming in for it, but I saw a a, um – Instagram post and I saw that and I thought I'm just going to bring it to their attention real quick and, and Joe, uh, or whoever's running their media, I, I don't know if Joe actually runs that part of the media to be honest with you, but whoever does, uh, they got right back to me and said, yeah, we can definitely use that. So over the course of the next couple of days, I hope to do make some more contacts and see how I can tie into this. And, 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 um, I don't want any, you know, glory out of it, nothing like that. I always go, I always try to go to their shows and I'm going to go and I'm going to try to make some contacts. And if that's, that's the case i'll try to see what kind of interviews and and uh pictures or anything uh multimedia or uh social media we can get yeah, on, absolutely that'd uh, be great give them some coverage and also to, uh, to plug our own show which we better get our asses back to yes uh, season two episode 29 top 10 of the best announcers of professional wrestlers and uh one thing we did Just briefly, let's mention this. Uh, We try to keep it, at this point, only play-by-play announcers. Uh, So uh, we've got several things in store. We had about four three or four ideas for the podcast, but there was a good reason as to why we are um, doing the best announcer of professional wrestling. And uh, would you like to tell them why, Jeremy, and maybe start us off with number 10?
0: The reason why is, well, as usual, we have three or four ideas, and then something happens to make us focus on one. This week we did lose one of the greatest Mike men in pro wrestling, Mean Gene Okerlund. Um, I will tell you real quick, when I started Geekish Cast and I started doing interviews <clears throat> my son Micah went and bought me an old 1980s Galoob uh, Mean Gene rubber figure because I was now an interview guy, and Mean Gene was the greatest interview guy of all time. And he still sits on my shelf where I keep my microphones. Right So on. that is one that I, I, you know, when I was a kid and I had just started watching wrestling and you were seeing Mean Gene on his way out on the AWA and on his way in the WWE Mean Gene is probably the most important stick man in history, which kind of gets us to focus in on who are the important announcers in pro wrestling, and we're going to start with our number ten, who is a personal favorite of mine, Bill Mercer from WCCW. Okay, very good. Yep. Now, Bill. Like that. Yeah. Bill started with just general sports and radio announcing out of uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma, I believe and the reason bill stays on my top list is i have a preference for that old school style of serious radio voice announcing and when they were still trying to pull that hoodwink bullshit move where gino hernandez i'm going to laugh about this and i shouldn't gino hernandez had just passed away but they were tr- still trying to say that chris adams had been blinded by gino hernandez and he comes out and goes gino hernandez is dead and chris adams is blind And his voice carried the gravitas that for a second you're like, holy shit. And then you go, oh, wait, half of that's bullshit. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's wild. (laughs) It really is.
1: Well, I'm glad you shared that with us, and I I was trying not to laugh when you told the story, even though I knew that was coming because you had you had mentioned it before. But uh, so we started off number ten, Bill Mercer. I'll do number nine, and you could do number eight because I know who's going to do number seven as well. How's that? That We kind of keep this to who we both uh are familiar with more so and who we liked. And again, man, we started off with a shitload of people we could put on this list, but we just tried to keep it to um to the ones that we, you know, we want our audience to enjoy the show. So number ten, Bill Mercer. Number nine, Tony Shavani. Um okay, so most people remember Tony Shavani, you know, from the National Wrestling Alliance. I think mm-hmm. he had a short run with the W W F back in the day and then of course World Championship Wrestling. Um, but there was a quote there. At the height of the Monday night war, veteran broadcaster Tony Schiavone's voice was vital to the on stream product of championship wrestling. Um, yeah, that's a quote that, uh, and again, we're going to get into this later on. We can sit here and read you Wikipedia facts and stuff like that, but I put that down because I was at WCW during the height of those wars. And, um, the only thing is I always, uh, Tony apparently, in, someone mentioned my name on uh, someone else's podcast a while back. (laughs) Uh, I think you brought it to my attention. (laughs) And then then he's like, at the end of it, oh yeah, I remember Bobby Blaze. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Tony was doing... tony and and of course he has some color men and we'll get out of those and that's a whole another podcast and at the time uh dusty was one of them doing some to color with tony on saturday night shows the bisco and those guys but uh tony was interviewing me trying to get some background information on me and talking to me about because when i come in i come under kind of a different premise as to what kind of push i was going to get i was going to be this mr saturday night kind of guy and you know uh uh, around the time Rob Van Dam was gonna be like Mr. Monday Night, and anyway, to get some wins on 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 WCW Saturday Night and on the on the you know flagship station TBS and all that. Anyway, I'm telling Tony a story this and I, I I told him like Terry Funk's my favorite and some people that took me under their wing and and I've I've got some of that stuff on tape or, or DVD now. Someone's converted it for me, but but I told him a story about you know hell I was even a fan of Dusty's back in the day and. I I always appreciate dusty because i'm talking to tony and i said i said i really appreciate you and T- uh, dusty putting me over on the uh uh show each saturday man i said it's really good to to you Know just just good feeling hearing you know my name on WTBS because I was such a fan as a kid and um thanks for the kind words that you said and also it's Dusty and he turned around he looks at me and we're like somewhere in Detroit or I don't know Bumfuck or wherever they do a TV taping at and he, he turned around and looked at me he goes big Dusty huh and I said yeah And because I'd already told him to funk, you know, I like funk and the stories there and this and that. And he goes, just think about it this way, Bobby. He said, buddy, he said, I don't know if they had heat, if he has ribbed me to this day or what. He said something like, well, if you work hard enough, just think, you can be a big, fat, drunk ex-champion yourself one day. (laughs) And uh, maybe true words were never spoken, Tony. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I think you got a little bit hot because I was putting dust over about putting me over on the show when Tony was doing a calling. But, yeah, he says something to that effect about, yeah, well, just think about it, Bobby. If you work hard enough, you could be a big, fat, drunk ex-champ, too, if you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Tony Schiavone story. And if Tony listened to this show or or whoever show he does with or whatever and that gets back to, Tony, big shout-out to you, man. Uh, you know, I'd already done, done baseball and other sports, and uh, I never had a problem with Tony. Uh, got along with him just fine, and uh, I don't think his WWF slash E run was very, very successful. I don't know because. I I was so busy back at that time, but just being a fan of the old NWA and also of, uh, being working there during the Monday night wars and stuff. Um, I give Tony Schiavone the number nine spot and that's, um, that's a pretty good spot for him, I think.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and there's a couple things I want to add to that. I mean, I I can't remember where, where it was said first or who said it first, but you know, Tony is the voice of pro wrestling South of the Mason Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is you, he has a great voice. Like I, I I have an ear for voices. I hear voices all the time that I am jealous of. Bill Mercer's one, Tony Schiavone is definitely one. Um there are a couple times when old Tony stepped on his dick. Uh you know, I I just want to throw this sentence out there for everybody. That'll <laughs> put butts in the seats. Yeah. <laughs> but um he's a he was a great play-by-play guy. He could get excitement across. Um his podcast that he does with um Oh uh, Conrad, uh, what's it, what happened when that is a yeah, I could, I knew it was yeah.
1: Conrad. I just couldn't remember the name of the podcast.
0: Yeah. You. A great podcast. It was a lot of fun. They, they meant to do it short term, but, um, Tony who started that show, Mr. Shivani had a very, very bad spot in his heart for pro wrestling when he started that podcast and it was going to be a temporary thing since then. He has gone on to start calling matches for MLW and the podcast has gone into a full-time thing, at least temporarily, at least for the time being. So it's great to hear that Pro Wrestling Podcast had such a positive spin in this particular case. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Good deal.
1: Good deal. All right. Well, you want to take us to number eight? Yeah,
0: we'll go to number eight. We'll go to the other professor, Mike Tanay. Yes. Um, I believe Mr. Tanay started one of the earliest pro wrestling newsletters when he was like eleven or twelve years old. Wow. In the I believe it was the Los Angeles market. I'm doing some of this from memory and some stuff I read over the last couple of days while we were prepping. Um when WCW started crossing over with more uh luchador style mm-hmm. wrestling and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other not a lot of people working at WCW had the expertise of the moves and the maneuvers and the holds to call luchador match matches so that is how mike today became involved yeah uh, coming out of los angeles he had had the exposure to the luchadors he knew the knew the names knew the styles knew everything and it yeah. was a really good fit while not the greatest voice he was a professor of wrestling moves, man. He knew what he was talking about. Well, not only
1: that, Mike Tenay also knew professional wrestlers. And, um, I have nothing but respect for Mike. Uh, like you. I think you called him a the professor there. Mm-hmm. When I first came in, he caught a couple of my matches when I come into WCW and he stopped me one day and we had a very nice chat. And, um, unlike Tony give me the best of luck speech there about <laughs> what he said, Mike said, Bobby, he said, I just want you to know. He said, I'm fully aware of you and who you are and that you were the former Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion. He said, but you know what? He said, I can't mention. Any of that stuff when he air about you he said they just won't let us mention other you know other companies uh, especially uh southern wrestling companies mm-hmm. uh you know and he just we just had a really nice talk and i think it's probably one of the, other than a hello you know here and there and a handshake uh is one of the first times you know you're busy backstage with production you get there so early and a lot of stuff's going on but um <clears throat> he kind of filled me in a little bit about my career uh that, I mean, of course, obviously I knew about, but I was surprised he knew about. So if he knew that about me, I'm pretty sure he, he, and I, I obviously knew he knew about the luchadors and those type things, uh, uh, and, and the moves, obviously. But, um, I'm pretty sure he must knew about a lot of other guys too come in from regional territories that he just couldn't, you know, wasn't allowed to get across on t- television. And, uh, but he did take the time and was courteous and professional en- enough to, uh, to sit down and talk to me and, and, and fill me in on some things. You know, he knew about me, but, um, he has to cut this way and that way on, on the television. So I'm sure he's done it for several other guys. I know he went on, um, to work for Impact and, and, and do some, you know, a lot of different pay-per-views and, and, um, you know, whatever. But I like you said, maybe not the greatest of voices, but knowledge. I think the man was very, very deep in wrestling moves. Uh like you said, the luchador moves and names. But not only that, he also knew a lot of independent guys and he knew their names and, and where they had come from and things they had accomplished in other territories. And for that I have a lot, a lot of respect for Mike Tanaby because again, he took the time to shake my oh, hand yeah. in a very busy, busy time. You know, the, I was there, like you said, I was there during the Monday night war times. And, um, you know, this would have been around 90s, early 97ish, um, maybe, uh, uh, or, excuse me, late 97 ish, early 98 ish. But, um, yeah, what a great, and he was also a very nice gentleman. I'll say
0: that. He, he was a very nice gentleman. So, um, uh, anything else about Mike before we move on to number seven? Well, it just that, you know, you were talking about his knowledge of the wrestlers in the business. I did come across a piece that back in the days before videotape, he would audiotape wrestling matches and trade those with other people. So, he he was definitely a guy who was searching for more information, more matches, more wrestlers early on. Uh, apparently, he quietly retired about a year or two ago from wrestling.
1: Okay, I was wondering about that. Yep. I, I hadn't heard anything of course we, I don't watch a lot of, you know, updated stuff. Anyway, but I but I hadn't heard his name thrown around, yep. so that does make sense to me.
0: Yeah, and he uh, like a lot of like a lot of people in pro wrestling, he has a podcast, but it's not about pro wrestling. He's got a podcast called Professor Vegas which talks about sports betting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well,
1: hell, he's pretty I I so I need to listen to maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> So I don't know. Okay, we'll move on to number seven. Yes, sir. How about that? Let's do Number seven, man. Number seven. I don't know if I've ever met a nicer man in my life. I can honestly say that he was such a nice guy. Bob Cottle. Bob Cottle, man. He was the uh, many, many years, the voice of the NWA. Um, You know, he he started uh, with Crockett Promotions. I know it was in the late 50s for Crockett Sr. You know, he worked uh, all the way through the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a voice of the Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Um, Hello, wrestling fans! In a sign off, that'll do it for this week. We'll see you next week, and until then, so long for now. And he uh, called the viewers fans, and I think that made. And I grew up. I didn't get to. I grow up, grow up watching them. I got to when I got to my late teens early twenties. We started getting that uh, Mid Atlantic and um, in syndication. And I got to become a fan of his because uh he did draw you as a fan. As a viewer, you was his fan. And uh, I got to work with him at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, man. And that's why I said hey, I don't know if I met an uh you know, I always say Bobby Eaton, one of the nicest people you ever meet in professional wrestling. Bob Coddle was such a professional and uh such a nice man also. Um always treated myself along with all the talent that I saw coming and going through Smoky Mountain um he just treated everyone with such respect and his voice was so respected uh, throughout mm-hmm. the South, especially when you was talking about Tony Shavani, you know, uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line, the same kind of with Bob Cottle, man. Of course, he'd done more of that mid-Atlantic. You can go up and down to, excuse me, the coast there to Carolinas and, and you know, over through wherever, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, up in Kentucky and wherever, but, man, he just a uh, um, – and he was taken so serious and, he, and he, he treated the sport very serious also. And he never really took, um, uh, the heels side or the baby faces side, but he would he would definitely, you know, oh, you know, say that's that's just something that's disgusting, that shouldn't be taking place. You know, he 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 kind of he kind of let the people know, you know, that that um he he was calling it as he saw it. You know, he obviously oh, yeah. but, but he wasn't necessarily pulling four baby faces, you know, and he wasn't necessarily, you know, trying to stooge out the heels. He was just calling it like he saw it. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people liked him. And he had a great interview style to really easy to talk to, uh, you know, Cornette would tell me, you know, I had an interview coming up and, and he said, you know, mention this and mention that. And, and Jimmy, uh, he'd tell you today, I'm still not the best interview in the world. I never will be, but, uh, he could feed me a couple lines and say, you know, this is what Bob's going to ask you. And, and this is the direction your character is going to go because I can cut a better heel promo than I can a baby face, but, but I needed a job, wanted a job and I loved Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm, I'll come in as a baby face. That's fine with me because I'd wrestle all over the world and all over the world am a fucking heel because uh you know i'm not from south africa or england or japan or uh australia wherever i happened to be at that time um and and uh but jimmy you know i, I knew i could work as a baby face and so the, the interviews he had to say go this direction you know you're the underdog and, and bob would just feed me and i and I'd, I'd play off what bob asked me so he made it very really, very easy yeah. um I might have stumbled across my words, but Bob never did. He'd just throw it out there. Bobby, man, you've had some big victories during the last couple weeks. You're an uppercumber, and and then he'd feed it to me, and I'd just go with it. But he was was obviously much better at it than I was, you know, because of his years of being a professional. Sure. And, uh, but it was, it was a wonderful work experience for me when I was first, you know, making a, a good break in my early career. So, uh, I never forget Bob to treat me so, so nice. So there's that. That's well, why he made it. And I wish I could rank him higher. I really would. But, uh, that's where I'm going to leave him at right now at number seven.
0: No, I think that's a good choice. And when we were coming up with this list, I, I, I almost shit my pants when I realized I hadn't even <laughs> thought of him yet. And, you know, and then uh, when I was like doing some thinking and reading and watching a couple quick clips on YouTube, that's when I realized that's where you get your use of the word fan. And I had never put it together in my head before because you use the word fan when talking about our listeners all the time. And I had never thought might maybe where it had come from. And then finally I put it together, but Bob Coddle.
1: That's why you're the professor. Yeah.
0: But Bob Coddle. <laughs> Was one of those guys. It, I'm going to put him up there with others that we're going to talk about. He was a sports journalist. He sounded legit. He seemed legit. Everything about him was straightforward. No bullshit. Like you were saying, he didn't take sides and his voice had the sound of authority to it. Yeah. Yeah. And Did he left. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, he left, I was going to do a real quick recap of his career, and he was, like you were saying, he worked for the Crockett's, he was the NWA Mid- Mid-Atlantic guy, he left WCW, and joined Smoky Mountain, where he stayed with, I believe he stayed at Smoky Mountain its entirety. Yes. Uh, and he might be the only Republican that Jim Cornette likes. <laughs> that's that's. <it. laughs> Can't top that, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, man. Well, let's close in on number six. <laughs> I'll say what I had to say for someone else. So <laughs> don't come back. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Number six. Um, we're not gonna have to have to say a whole lot about number six or number five, probably. But um, we're gonna throw them out there. And 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 again, we could sit here and read you stuff off of the internet or something, you know, from Wikipedia or whatever. And we're not going to do that. A lot of times we just go by the fly. I mean, I can't make up a Tony Schiavone story, and and you're going to see it on his Wikipedia page, you know. Right, uh, So I can't tell you the Mike Tanay story with, oh, yeah, I've read it on Wikipedia. So uh, anyway, the next one's number six is uh, Vincent Kenny McMahon. Vince McMahon. Yeah. And uh, the first time I saw Vince McMahon uh, was 1979. Uh, yeah, I'm probably giving away my age, but I was about 15 years old and I was in Baltimore, Maryland. I know I mentioned that a lot on this podcast. I went up there, and spent a summer up there. Um, and of course, on the East Coast, they had the Capital of Sports and, uh, they did the Baltimore Arena and they did the, um, the, the Cap Center and places like that. And, uh, they got WWW. What well, WWF wrestling, and I saw Vince McMahon, and he was in the role at that point, as early as for me was 1979 that summer, uh, as a, uh, you know announcer and so that's my first experience and i saw him interview. i never will forget ted dibiase was there and he was way before his million dollar man uh andre also uh uh, handsome jimmy valiant before he was the boogie woogie man years later and things so uh i got to see vince early on as an announcer and then of course when as time went on i guess on the uh usa network i'm just kind of going off my head here eventually we saw him again as a as a an announcer versus the owner and, and uh, the before 85 and before the WrestleMania and all that came Uh out. So that's my earliest memories of him, and uh, he actually done a pretty damn good job of it. He he sold with the facial expressions. He had a good voice, you know, yeah. had a good look about him. Uh, wore the sports coat. He looked very professional. Uh, I remember those type things. So um, number six is Vince, and I'll let you go on and tell a little
0: bit about what you think. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, you know, younger listeners, younger fans of our show will not remember a time that you watched Vince McMahon on TV but did not know he was the owner of the company. Yeah. He was he was actually pretty austere in keeping that shit under wraps. He was a guy who would come out call matches and like you were saying, you know, when Vince McMahon was young, he he was a guy who worked out all the time. He ate well. He was young, he was handsome, he was big and strong yeah. and powerful. He had a great voice. He could communicate clearly, which is not a skill all of us have. Like I struggle all the time to make sure I'm using the right words. He can just roll right off of his tongue with exactly where he wants the story to go, who he wants you to cheer for. And he had the ability to communicate that with passion and professionalism and enthusiasm and get those angles across probably better than anybody else. And then him secretly being the owner of the company only helped put that over that much more.
1: Yeah, I agree with what you said 100%. That is well-worded. This will be proud of you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I'm sure so, many of our regular fans listening right now are going, did somebody kidnap Jeremy? What the fuck <laughs> is going on here? Silver Scorpion, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> but Did you have a
1: change of heart with that heart attack? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I, I've been told to avoid stress no matter what I do, so I'm, I'm kind of bringing things down this week. But, no, you when he was starting off in this book we're reading, I'm getting a lot more perspective about things he brought to the business that had not existed before and kind of finding a new like um admiration for what he tried to do, not as unintended consequences, but the things he actually said, here's what I am setting out to do and got done are pretty goddamn amazing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that is enough of me kissing Vince's ass. Let's go on to number five.
1: <laughs> okay, well, number five, right behind Vince, is a uh, gorilla monsoon. Yep. Oh, and yeah. at one point, he was uh, he owned a percentage of the uh, WWF, I guess, at at one point from Vince's dad, and um, you know he was former performer there, of course, and uh, uh, he he was a great announcer you know he was a great performer um but as far and he's such a great announcer uh they have the uh, gorilla spot named for him where you stand before you go out before you uh, go live on on tv or to be taped there's a spot that you stand at before they send you out beyond the curtain and it's called the gorilla spot and it was named after gorilla monsoon um and he had a lot of good partners over the years but um you know i don't have any real good personal stories other than I, i met him a couple times in person and um when I went to a uh, backstage area a couple of times, of course I did a couple jobs back in the day, uh, early on in like 91, I think it was, um, you know, he called the matches with, uh, i think color back then was bobby heenan we'll get into that another time mm-hmm. but uh always in the back very nice very polite man uh very professional very courteous i remember one time you am know, i wasn't even a really big guy maybe 220 compared to guys at that time in wwf but you know he goes hey big man how you doing you know and he uh you many years later uh after i left smoky mountain i was at a house showing him back and he was there and um he said the same thing to me and my buddy, and my buddy was a of a, a, a fan of his, as I told you before, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, another one he liked growing up. And, and when I introduced myself, you know, uh, they knew who I was at that point, but they didn't know my friend, but they said, hey, big man, how are you? And, uh, you know, Gorilla calling him at, that, that made him feel really good about himself, too. So just uh, I don't have a lot of stories to share about him except for, you know, we've heard him. Over and over and over on the USA Network and and uh, worldwide, I guess uh, on every station they eventually was on. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, great announcer.
0: Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that just real real briefly. Yeah, uh, Gorilla, the thing I liked best about him, and he's probably the guy that pushed me to like heels better than faces, because his ability to explain away, excuse away, and accept. Heroes breaking the rules after just having castigated the villains for doing so was so expert, it actually went too far for me. And I actually gained sympathy for the Heels. Okay. (laughs) So his ability to do that and explain it away was perfect. Also, he and Bobby Heenan might have not have been just one of the greatest uh, announced teams for pro wrestling they might have been one of the greatest modern comedy two-man acts <laughs> in a very yeah. long time.
1: I wasn't going to say out what I was going to say, and I agree with you, though. Uh, we may have to come back to Gorilla, Gorilla Monsoon because I think we'll eventually do a color commentary. And he had a lot of guys to work with when he'd done it with Ventura and mm-hmm. some other guys, and Heenan especially. But excuse me, God, um didn't mean that. But uh, Big Burp. Uh, edit that if you have to, but, uh, you know, he, he has some good people to work with. And, um, like you said, he just, he, he got over, but he also got the person working with him. They knew how, he let them get over as well, is what I'm getting at, I guess. So we may have to come back. Gorilla's name may come up again, um, as to his importance of being an announcer in professional wrestling. So, um, uh, just kind of throwing that out. yeah. Like, and I think we, we actually, let me say this too. Uh, we, we kind of did the, um, we both kind of had a Bobby Heenan out there and we decided, uh, you know, again, we'll kind of retread back on this in just a moment. But, um, we kind of said, you know, let's do announcers, not, not color men, you know? So, uh, uh, that's why we're going with, uh, just at this point, professional, Wrestling announcers, so I'll just kind of leave it out there until we jump down a little bit. How's that? Yeah,
0: that sounds good.
1: Okay, but I like that. Yeah, him and Heenan—that that was a good team. I have to agree. So uh, anyway, it takes us to number four. Yep, is that correct?
0: That's right. Okay,
1: well I tell you what, we're going to do real quickly. How's this? Before we jump into number four, I'm going to jump back up. I'm going to give ten through five, and then I'm going to give a uh, I'll let you give out a book plug or two. Okay. All right. Number ten. On uh, this episode season 229 top 10 of the announcers of professional wrestling we had number 10 Bill Mercer number 9 Tony Schiavone number 8 Mike Tanay number 7 Bob Cottle number 6 Vincent Kennedy McMahon Vince McMahon number 7 Gorilla Monsoon and we're getting ready to jump into number 4 and I'm gonna jump ahead just one second here number 4 is gonna be Jim Ross and before I say anything else about Jim Ross he's got a book and it's called slobber knocker and it's out there and it's available on amazon and so jeremy's going to tell you how to help our podcast out by going to a couple of tiny url links to help pay for our podcast and with that said i think this book of the week will be slobber knocker by jim ross and also jeremy just kind of take over and tell them how to help support our show
0: and we'll go from number four three to a number one you got on our
1: list top
0: 10. All right. So, everybody, you can go get JR's book, Slobberknocker, by going to tinyurl.com slash B Jim Ross. That will take you right to the Amazon page where you can purchase his book. I know Bobby has been reading that book and has liked it quite a bit. Other wrestling fans I have talked to have liked it. Also, at this time, would be a good time to remind you that this show is sponsored by two of Bobby's own books. You can get the first one, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel, by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. You can also get I Kicked Out On 2, The Education of a Wrestler, by going to tinyurl.com slash blaze book two that will take you right to the amazon page you can pick them up right there digital or physical copies uh they are great gifts if you are wrestling fans who have not read it there are a lot of great stories bobby is a guy who's been in the business and around the business for a while and has met people and has great shit to share about all of them (laughs) i i can't remember if it's written down but it's a story about you running into macho man in a flooded bathroom in one of those books
1: Yes it is.
0: There he it goes. Is. That is yeah. one of my favorite stories that oh, I yeah. tell.
1: <laughs> the bottle man on Bobby Blade about took a double knockout right there in the bathroom. Yep,
0: yep. Mm. Dig it. <laughs> All good stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know, here's the thing, guys. Um, you can get my books on Amazon. He already gave you the links right there. Slobber knockers out there. You can get the book about dusty roads. Um, also, a book I'm currently reading. It was a gift from a friend of mine named Jeremy. He sent me as a gift. is very nice. Death of the Territories, and uh, I think that book is also on your tiny URL. Is that not correct? Uh, it uh,
0: is, it was, but I can't remember what the. I don't uh, have that okay. address. Okay, I'm
1: of just me right saying now. you can go and uh, anything you go to to buy a book. Uh, make sure you go through the uh, uh, Jeremy's uh, uh, affiliate. Program there using the tiny URL. I don't know how that shit works, but I'm hoping he makes a dime or two, or hope I hope he makes a million dollars off. That'd be great. But uh, let's get back on course with uh, Jim Ross. Jim Ross, you know, I'm reading Slobberknocker. I stopped. I'm about probably oh the 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 way it's written is um, each chapter is only two or three pages. So I'm probably on like chapter fifteen or so. Mm-hmm. But I'm only probably a fourth of the way booked uh, fourth fourth of the way through the book, to be honest with you. But uh, Jim Ross, you know, man, here's a guy that really paid his dues, you know, working back in the territory. I think you gotta start like back in around nineteen seventy four. Uh, man, he was going to school, he was um uh just doing some different things. He ended up driving uh for uh Was's territory for um Le- Le- McGurk, Leroy McGurk, McGurk. McGurk, the blind guy. Leroy, Leroy, yeah, the blind yeah. guy. He drove Leroy around, so he paid his dues that away. He also ended up riding around, driving around a couple of the uh, – the uh, baby faces that worked there, they really smart him up and not giving away anything. But he got that big, um, that's right when the UWF was uh, starting to take off, too, and he got a big break with with uh, the Mid-South back then. Of course, he worked for NWA, he worked for WCW, he worked for WWF. And I got to meet and talk and hang out with a couple of times Jim Ross when I was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, that's when he was dealing with and overcoming uh, his Bell's Palsy. He took a break from from being on TV and uh, WWF at the time, WWE, whatever. And he come in for Smoky Mountain, done some work with Les Thatcher, another great announcer who could have easily been on this list. But uh, Jim Ross is on here, and Jim probably could have been a lot higher. Some say that Jim is probably the number one. Um, We have a reason we do our own list our way. Um, you know, and that's that's just that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our show. It's it's the the bell to bell of Bobby Blaze podcast, and and Jeremy and I we go through a list. We do some eliminations, and we add in and we take away or whatever. But um, you know, Jim comes in at four. Good old Jr. will say yeah. comes in at four, and I know he's great at what he does. And I hate that he's number four, but we have a reason for that, and and you'll soon find out, especially if you're a fan of his show. Um, you know how that works. But um, yeah, Jim was really. Really, really kind um really quiet when he worked in smoky mountain wrestling i did a lot of production meetings and um of course again he was overcoming uh, a severe the de- bell palsy and uh you know appearing on tv like he did you know and, and, and going through what he did um but just a very kind man uh, very fair man and uh, i found him to be a very honest man uh i didn't have any real real Uh, dealing with them in WWF uh, when he got there, uh, when he went back there, anything I did speak to him uh, always complete gentleman but um you know I, I I never had the opportunity to to try out after that with them but I did talk to him and was negotiation with him at one point it, it went the opposite direction with wCw and i I think it was best for me but while he was in Smoky Mountain what a complete gentleman he was and a professional and everyone knows uh, what a great announcer he is and i think I would imagine I could be wrong but I would imagine he just done the uh, new Japan pro wrestling wrestle uh, kingdom thirteen i would imagine he done that this weekend if i'm not not mistaken and i think he might be in negotiations to uh work some for uh, either the nwa or for the uh all elite wrestling i'm not sure because uh, i know he still does some work for uh wwf as well so or wwe and that's yeah. all i
0: kind of got about jim but uh good old jr yep so yeah my knowledge of jim ross definitely started with the uwf uh, yeah. and then, and then it's purchase and, and, uh, uh, what'd you, call, folding into WCW. That's definitely where I came from I would have put him higher. And I know a lot of people yeah. say he's the greatest, the greatest announcer of all time. Um, I don't like that bombastic style. Now I realize that's just me being a cranky old fuck. I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like I think he had a great voice. He typically knew the names of every hold and maneuver and position and everything. I just don't like when you stop calling the match to scream out this name of the move five times in a row. Yeah. Hurricane Rada, Hurricane Rada. It just doesn't do anything for me. Now, that yeah. being said, uh, you'll notice that he made a living calling matches and I'm sitting on my ass in a home studio. <laughs> <You know? laughs> No, yeah, he, a... he's great. Good old Jr. is great, and oh, yeah. he could have been up higher.
1: Um, I don't think he could have been up any higher on our list than the next person. Can I go ahead and say that safely? He's new. Because um, here's where we're going to go with this. Number three is uh, the reason we're doing this podcast uh, in honor of uh, announcers, is because uh, as you call them the greatest uh, what stick men in the business, mm-hmm. maybe. Yep. Uh, Gene Jean Oakland. And as Hawk Hogan said, it was the best partner I ever had. We never rehearsed or did anything scripted from a writer. Gene would ask me, hey, big man. What do you want to do? And I would always answer, just follow you, brother. And it worked. And as Rick Flair called him, you know, mean by God, Gene. So we're kind of doing this. We we had several to start with uh, podcast ideas. And with his passing, may you rest in peace, Mean Gene Oakland. You were great. Um, someone asked me on Twitter. Um, and while I'm speaking of Twitter, follow Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. Follow me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four or follow our joint account which Jeremy does a wonderful job of at the Bell to Bell Blaze. Uh, those are all on Twitter, but someone asked me if I had any Mean Gene stories, and I really don't have a lot. He was in WCWYs there. Um, I spoke to him a couple of times. A lot of those times were about 6 a.m. at an airport bar. (laughs) So, uh, it was one of those things where you just come in and everyone's tired from the day before, and you have an early flight, and you come in, and someone's down the hallway, someone's trying to, you know, you're trying to get to this next little area, and there's a bar along the way, and you might have have two hours for a flight and you're there and you go in and someone may either be finishing up from the night before uh coming in from uh from one of the local establishments or the hotel and uh airport's just opening and uh, I never really sit down had a drink with the man but I'd always shake his hand say hello to him and uh many times uh that's that's where I saw Gene at was at the airport following one of our um uh TBS or Turner Broadcasting Network uh uh television programs if that makes sense. Whatever I'm trying to fuck a spit out there. So uh, I didn't really get to know him that well or anything. No real funny stories about me and Gene other than um he was always one of my favorites because man he was out there and uh the doing the. he was with uh what Friday and and Kamala uh out oh, yeah. there in the jungles and and uh fuck he done everything and everything. He was interviewing Andre to uh to Jake to Every fucking person in the wrestling business, that man has had some kind of interaction. Um, and I'll let you, because you, you you had the story at the beginning, and you just go on from there, how you have your your stuff, done, Mean Gene Oakland, and
0: while we're doing a show in honor of him. Yeah. So, Well, it's, Mean Gene was always everywhere. He was in the <laughs> AWA when Hogan got hot before he jumped. He was at the WWF while Hogan was hot. And he was at WCW when the NWO was tearing up the whole fucking planet. Yep. Uh Mean Gene was everywhere. He always got the great interviews. He was always funny, even as he started to age and maybe wasn't the hippest of cats in the company. He was still able to turn phrases, and and his timing was good. And to me, one of the funniest thing ever was when DDP went for the self-high five, and Mean Gene tried to get in on the action and missed the high five. And, <laughs> and his disappointment to carry the rest of the, <laughs> rest of the moment. That's uh, pretty good, yeah, yeah.
2: That's
1: pretty good. So anyway, uh, that's, that's number three is Mean Gene Oakland, and may he rest in peace. And I'm glad that we had some good uh, just something good to say about him, some good memories and a good reason to go ahead and throw in this podcast uh, as we had top 10 announcers coming up at some point and what better point than now and that's going to take us to, as we mentioned Jim Ross being number 4, we put Mean Gene in there at number 3 even though he wasn't like a play-by-play per se, he was great on the stick and everywhere and every place he needed to be or was important at the time he was there and that's going to take us to number 2 and number 1 and I think our Fans especially, and if you're new to the show, I think you'll like our number two and our number one. And feel free to reach us at the uh, on Twitter. I know also. Let me say if there's a fan page and a group page on Facebook. Jeremy can tell you about that. You'll hear about it again at the end of the show. But on Twitter at the Bell to Bell Blaze, on that you can hit us up at bbbbb and you can give us our you know what your top ten announcers are. Uh, ask us questions, send in feedback, because we do interact with everyone. But I'm going to let Jeremy introduce number two, and I'm going to introduce number one, and you'll see why Jim Ross can only make it probably to number three at the highest. But we gave that honor to Mean Gene, and uh, our respect for his recent uh,
0: passing. So, Jeremy, who's number two? Well, number two is Gordon Soley, the dean of pro wrestling and... I will supply anybody who says
1: otherwise. (laughs) There you go.
0: Yeah. Uh, What a great number two. Yeah. Gordon, again, like I've said this whole episode, for me, there's a Veritas and a reality that comes with that sports journalist style of match calling. And Gordon nailed that. He made it seem like a real legit sport every time, a competition with a prize at the end for the athletes in the match. Also his his use of the word play always set him apart. Yeah. I mean the first time I heard it, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And also yeah. you're like, maybe he knows more than everybody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well I was gonna no, say no,
1: you- <laughs> We're both getting too excited. Yep. <laughs> I was just gonna say uh to go back to Jim Ross, he cites him as his most significant influence of his career. So that's kind of, uh, to show what kind of importance. If everyone's out there, if you want to bitch and moan and say, well, JR should have been number one or whatever, consider this. You know, our number two, Gordon Soley, is, is cited by Jim Ross saying that was the most significant influence on his career as an announcer. And everyone, uh, you know, Gordon Soley was just great, and um, you know he came up with the uh, wearing the crimson mask. That mm-hmm. was the other thing with your souffle, and I could be wrong on this, Jeremy, but it seems like I remember him saying it on Georgia Championship Wrestling. He is saying so long from the Peach. Uh, state, but I do know on Florida Championship Wrestling or Championship Wrestling in Florida, he'd always say, so long from the Sunshine State. Um, I once want to double check if he said that uh, from the Peach State when he done Georgia Wrestling, because it seemed like he would do that when he'd done that sometimes when there was maybe 82, 83, somewhere in that time frame when they jumped over a little bit when he was doing both Georgia and, uh, Florida. But, um, anyway, Gordon Soli, man, like you said, the Dean, uh, man, he did that championship wrestling in Florida, and uh, man, he 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 worked everywhere. You know, he 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 got to work with though. He even worked with World Championship Wrestling, you yep. know, and Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, a lot of people. He's probably number one on. on a, I would imagine on our list of listeners, um, Gordon Sully might be on their number. Their number one. You know. Oh yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: So, uh, anything else about Gordon there at number two? Uh, no, no, it's, I, I think, you know, for people who don't know Gordon Sully, all I'm going to say is you need to go find some matches. I mean, they're not going to be as energetic because, uh, Gor- Gordon was probably drunk when he was calling some <laughs> of those. Um, but he is going to have a temper and a tempo and a style that just lends legitimacy to every match he called. Yeah. And it was just one of those things that I was a big fan of his back in the day. And, you know, like I said, it's just in that style that he used and our number one is going to use Bob Cottle, there is a Veritas and a Gravitas and a Gravity that comes with the style of calling sports that the way they did it. Yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, with number one, with all due respect to Gordon Sully, number Mm -hmm. one, my personal favorite, and our number one on this list is Lance Russell, the voice of Memphis Wrestling. Man, I don't know. That's the voice I grew up on at a young age. And Lance Russell, he just had the greatest voice of professional wrestling to me of all time. Um, You know. Again, Gordon Sully could have made his number one to a lot of these younger people. Maybe your good old JRs or whoever. But, uh, on this list here, I hope our listeners can agree. If you don't, please feel free. Let us know. Give us your thoughts. But I know several that did write in, uh, direct message me. They had Lance Russell at number one and Lance got to start way back in like 1959. Uh, man, he, he did that Memphis wrestling. Uh, he just, He, he, you know, things, I guess, that stand out in my mind are, you I can sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, he was in the NWA or USWA and a wrestler uh, hall of fame, the Wrestling Observers Hall of Fame, but the thing is, that's kind of the voice I, that's not kind of, it is the voice I grew up on wrestling, and the way he called it, just that he live announced it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Memphis, the Memphis, I call it the Memphis tapes. Even though I'm saying that, is because by the time I saw it, it was on tape delay. We got out of Lexington, Kentucky, but they shot that live for like 40 years in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. And uh, man, it just came across. And he also did um, the live matches at uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Sometimes he'd go out to Louisville, from my understanding, or to Nashville and do some live matches as well. But um, he called the um, live announced uh, taped house show matches from two below and man he was the one calling the concession stands bra and so i never will forget that because uh you know i was about 15 at that time 14 15 and we're watching it and of course i'm saying it's live because it was live when it was taped so by the time we saw it the probably you know the early maybe a couple hours later that day or whatever when it took place earlier or the night before man you talk about believability and we've talked about that concession stand Bra, but just his voice of getting that over, uh, I've already, we talked about in detail, the, uh, absence of fans with the, uh, Lawler and Funk uh, empty arena match. Um, and, and Russell's there, you know, putting out, look, he just now lit a cigarette and said, let me put this out, you know, and, yep. and, uh, just the way he come across and he, t- you know, Katie, it just, it's just one of those things where he stood there, uh, He'd, he'd be interviewing someone and he'd say, you know, Jerry, get someone out here. You know, if they started brawling or fighting in front of him, he took associate. Hell, he took bumps. You know, he unintentionally took bumps for the fucking company, because they'd be brawling in front of him, and he took it so serious, he would try to get out of the way, but sometimes, hell, he'd intentionally lock, not intentionally, unintentionally knock him over, and he'd take a bump, and he'd grab his microphone or lose his glasses, but the believability, and I know that um he called, I think he went to Lexington, Kentucky, and called matches, too, sometimes, Um so I know I've heard him live, I never had the honor of meeting Lance Russell, and um, I I wish I would have because he is my favorite all-time wrestler, or voice of uh, professional wrestling to me is Lance Russell, and I'll just kind of let you finish it out from there. And if you all disagree, hit us up at BBBB. If you agree, hit us up at BBBB at the uh, Bell to Bell Blaze. Um, Also, there's a... uh, uh, I forgot to mention, we've got a uh, YouTube page out there as well, ran by text, and you can hook it up. It's uh, the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast, I think, on YouTube, so look that up if you want to. Jeremy will tell you about the Facebook page, but first he'll tell you about his thoughts about Lance Russell, and that's kind of all I'm going to say about Lance because I'm getting too damn excited, and I know we're short <laughs> on time. Gonna... Lance is my number one, and Jeremy's number one, and we'll go from there and let Jeremy do what he does
0: best. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> going to fall out of your chair like Lance did with that take <laughs> on that episode <laughs> of uh, Memphis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, he was he was great again. He he did that well. So he's a little bit different than I'm going to say that Coddle and uh, Sully were in that. Lance would actually get himself into uh, chest poking matches a little bit with the heels. Yeah. Oh come on! Don't you start with that smart stuff here with me. And, and not to steal from the six oh five uh, pod, but. Um, He was always disappointed in the bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He always had that sound just like your uncle when you did something wrong at your grandma's house. Like, oh, no, I can't. (laughs) So, Lance is a little bit different, even though he had that same kind of stylistic veneer that a Gordon Sully or a Bob Cottle had. That same kind of classy, old-school sports journalist. He was great fun to watch. He turned phrases better than anybody and he had a delivery that was like a smarter foghorn leghorn. <laughs> that was kind of fun to watch, you know. And yeah. these days, I believe it's still the case that if you go on Amazon, if you're part of Amazon Prime, you can find old videos of Memphis wrestling and yeah. watch him. Is it, who was his partner? Dave? Dave Brown. Dave Brown. Yeah. I suddenly drew yeah. a blank on his name. That's okay. They were another kind of old school comedy duo team. Yeah, without trying to be. Yeah. They had they had a delivery that was nice and smooth, but you could see that they had bits and you know like what do you think Bobby and you know he starts oh, No <laughs> never mind.
1: We'll back in the ring. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. I always love that about that. Yeah.
0: But um
1: so anyway, man, I tell you, once again, it's good to hear your voice, Jeremy. And uh, I'm glad you're still amongst us here in 2019. <laughs> and to the fans out there, again, you can follow us. follow us on Twitter. You can find Jeremy at the uh, Geekish cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze 744 on Twitter as well as our joint account, Bell to Bell Blaze. And this has been Season 2, Episode 29, the top ten of the best announcers of professional wrestling. And I think we've got a lot of stuff off of here that we can go into some color commentary and some different stories about a lot of different guys. But, um, man, get back with us. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you stuck with it this long, we appreciate it because we got a lot of more good stuff planned in the future. And, uh, Jeremy, I'm just glad to hear your voice, man, and it's uh, always great, and um, I'll keep you posted on the uh, nwa title is coming to this area yeah that's awesome and i'm going to um just uh try to keep up more uh, with 2019 keeping delivering better and better podcasts because we we love what we're doing and as i call them they are our fans so uh fans thanks for sticking with us and i will let uh jeremy take us out of here
0: yeah so i'm, I'm actually gonna let nate do what we do wow. okay well, yeah, because he gives out all the addresses and everything. It's pre-recorded, so I'm not going to have to stumble over my words. So he'll give out our Facebook address and all that in the musical closing of the show. So if you want to know where to follow us, just stick around for a couple more seconds after we wrap. You'll hear the music start and Nate will start talking and all the addresses for Facebook, for Twitter, for our GoFundMe and everything else will be in there. So everybody, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning back in. I do appreciate it. Um, I want to thank uh, the Center Health Group here in Modesto, California for getting my heart uh, going again. That was very nice of them. I haven't seen the bill yet, so I might curse them later. Um, I do want to encourage anybody out there with a family of uh, or a history of family heart problems. If your doctor tells you you have high blood pressure, fucking listen to him. Don't blow it off because forty-five uh, is a young age to so start having heart attacks, and apparently that's where family history kicks in. So for Bobby Blaze and for myself, Jeremy Vomer, bye bye everybody.
2: Thanks for listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. You can follow the show on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. You can also follow Bobby on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744 and Jeremy on Twitter at the Cast. To purchase one of Bobby's books, you can visit tinyurl.com blazebook1 to purchase Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel. And you can visit tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 to get I kicked out on two, the education of a wrestler. To donate to the show's podcast hosting fees, you can visit gofundme.com slash bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. Be sure to include a hyphen in every word in bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. If you follow and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Please leave a five-star review. Be sure to share the show with any wrestling fan you may know and get on the Facebook page where you can keep up with bell-to-bell fans just like you. Again, thanks for listening to the program and look for the show again next time.